Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. It was the lead pastor of Providence, I need to let you know this, that if you were here and you're, le- and, uh, and you're scared, all right, because this is your first time and you're like, you're just coming out of churches where, well, the holiest kind of worship was to uh, sing softly out of a hymnal, not knocking hymnals, not knocking soft singing. There's a time and place for it. But on Sunday mornings, we see it as go time, all right, and, and we want to hold nothing back. And we've decided to be Davidic worshipers here, um, not being like uh, Michael picking David apart from the window, from the sidelines, but like David bearing it all, starting with his heart. And so we've decided to, uh, to just, just to give God everything that we've got here. And it's scary for some, but listen, here's our posture. We're a Jesus church first and foremost. We did not gather for your comfort. We did not gather so your friends would feel nice if you invite them. We gathered to lift up the name of Jesus. He is who we are for. All right. The wonderful thing. The, the, the wonderful thing is, uh, is when we lift up Jesus, here's, here's the proper kingdom order. When we lift up Jesus, then he draws people to himself. The way people come into the kingdom is not make them feel so comfortable that they just get to live the same life they're living. And they're like, oh, wow, like, I guess now I've, I've got family. Yeah, well, you, you get family when you give your heart to Jesus. And then you join the weird all right? It's weird, it's weird things. It's weird things. And we're all at different places, and we all worship differently. But I know, for me, God is really calling me into a season where uh, I'd, you know, I've always said all my life, you know, I can sing a song, but I can't really dance. I really do this. I really do that. My personality, you know, I'm a, you know I know my Enneagram thing. I know my, my disc analysis. Let's stop hiding behind who the world says we are and just give God what he's worth. Amen? So that is, uh, that is what we've been doing this morning. So we just say, Jesus, I, if I weirded out my neighbor, that's fine. Are you okay with my praise? Are you okay with my praise? And so that is the posture we're taking, friends. Right? Right, Noah? Is that the posture we're taking? Right? So, yes. So good. We're in a ground-taking season, a pioneering season at Providence. And uh, months ago, God put on my, on my heart that December was supposed to be uh, money month. Um, and I know that it makes many of us feel uncomfortable, but I looked in, in my personal notes, and the last time I preached specifically on money, uh, outside of just trying to speak on it, speaking on a, a biblical understanding of, of money or tithe or offering, um, was uh, 2015. And, and I'm convicted about that. Because finances are, are as spiritual as anything. And in fact, the Bible, Jesus in the parables that he told, 40 of his parables are about finances and possessions. There's over 2,000 verses in the scriptures on finances, stewarding them, not owning them. They're a a good weapon, bad treasure, right? Stewarding them well. And there's there's over 2,000. There's like 500-something verses on prayer, 500-something verses on healing, over 2,000 on money, guys. And so God just has me in a season where he's just like, Nathan, knock it off. 
and talk about money. So that's what we're doing. So I'm fearlessly doing this, and we are not shaming you. We've already taken the offering, so that's between you and God. We're not passing the plate again, okay, guys? We're not doing that. You ever been to a church like that? They preach on money, then they're like, pass it, pass it again, pass it for the third time. No, pass it for the fourth. Uh, and suddenly, like, four is the, is, you know, the, the most uh, godly number in the Scripture somehow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're not doing that. Guys, honestly, we want, you, we want your money to be under the Lordship of Jesus, and we want your heart to be free from it. Meaning, not free from the lordship of Jesus, all right? Uh, but free from just the love of money, okay? Um, Bennett and I were, were in my truck driving the other day. We were driving down a windy road in between two farms. And we're driving, we're talking about Jesus. We're having a great time. We look out into a field about from here about to that wall, and we see a farmer and a black cow staring at each other. And we're like, oh, Look how sweet this, you know, Ben is such a, he's a lover, you know. Uh, I get mushy around him myself, you know. I'm like, well, look out, look, this farmer and this cow, they're just enjoying some good old-fashioned eye contact, you know. They're, they're just, they're bonding on a heart level, like, wow, now that is a good shepherd, all right. We're seeing that suddenly as we're driving, we're really blessed by what we saw. Suddenly we saw the farmer raise a rifle and shoot the cow. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I couldn't drive. I, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I said, I, Ben is like, Nathan, what just happened? What's Jesus saying? I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I was like, let, let, let's not explore that, all right? Let's, uh, let's just forget that ever happened and, tr- and, and get soul care, all right? So, uh, uh, but no, I, I, was, I was thinking about that later, and I was thinking about, like, like sometimes when people come to church, they come to church needing uh, a touch from Jesus, and, th- and then we talk about money, and that's how you feel. <laughs> oh, great. Everyone said, I need to go to Providence. Everybody said, you know, you'll be blessed, and then we talk about finances. Kill me now, you know? But listen, here's what that represents, though. It it represents the world's mentality on finances. God frees you up in the realm of finances. The world tries to shackle you with them. And we have to talk about what is important. And this, my friends, is important. So I'm not shooting you today. Like, I'm launching you today in the future that God wants you to live. All right? So here's a... Here's... Here's a few things that I want to say. You can get your, your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be there. First Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to be there. Uh, but before we go there, I want to talk about uh, two things that if we don't talk about finances in the church, here's two massive problems that we're going to operate in biblically. And here's the first one. Number one, if we don't talk about finances, we are, uh, we are robbing you of blessing. Okay? So I am not about to do that, church. Like I said, I'm the lead pastor. I want you to be blessed. That is the Father's heart. I want you to be blessed. I'm tired of robbing you of this blessing. In fact, Philippians uh, chapter uh, 4, starting with verse 14, going to verse 19, says says this. This is is Paul talking to the Philippians, and he was literally thanking them for being the only church who partnered financially with him in his ministry. And here's what he says. He says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. How did they share his trouble? By putting their money where their mouth was. They couldn't be on the road with him, so they sent him funds. We can't be there physically with you, so our hearts will be with you. Here you go. 
And verse 15 says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Listen to this. Not that I seek the gift. You hear this? This is the, the, the motive of financial blessing is not in the receiving of a gift. Not that I seek the gift, but here's, here's what Paul is speaking, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. This is what he's saying. Listen, you sent me money. I'm blessed. But what I'm really seeking is I want to see you planting seeds that are going to be harvested in your credit, in your account. Then he says this in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Here's what those gifts are. They're a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he says this, and this is the part that gets quoted all the time without that. <laughs> and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So, so Paul is saying, you've planted seeds in me. I'm so thankful that you partnered me, uh, uh, with me in this way. Not that I really needed the gift. The first part of that says, gift or not, I've learned the secret of being content. So it's not that I needed them, I'm thankful for them, but I want you to be blessed and God will supply every need of yours when you operate this way. So we are robbing you a blessing if we don't teach on this. Hello? Here's another one, but we're robbing God of honor if we don't teach on this, and this is the one that punches me in the face spiritually. Because I, if I have to pick between the two, robbing you a blessing or robbing God of honor, I'm going with the God honor one. I want our whole lives to be about honoring God. And the two are linked. You don't have to pick. Wonderful, right? But we're robbing God of honor. Uh, the, the famous uh, Italian uh, prophet, Malachi, in the Bible, uh, Malachi chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, uh, starting with, with verse 6 and 8. Uh, listen, listen to what it says. A son honors his father and a servant his master. This is how God set it up. And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. Now, Malachi is going deep and hitting people heavy. As son's supposed to honor his father, priests are despising my name, and you're doing this to me. But it goes on to say, but you say, how have we despised your name? How have we dishonored you, in other words? How have we done this? Well, look at verse 7, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. And here's what's happening it's in, in, uh, in Malachi's day is people are, are, are taking the, instead of taking the best offerings they have, the first fruit offerings that they have, all right, the unblemished offerings, they're taking the worst, the, the blind, the lame, the, the, the worthless, the stuff they couldn't sell. And they're offering that to God. And God says this, he said, present that to your governor. Will, will he accept you? Will, will he show you favor? And so what, what God is, God is a jealous God, and he's saying, you are honoring your worldly governor more than you're honoring me, who provides the seed that you are now harvesting. 
It goes on to say in verse 11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. This is God talking of himself. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. This is what God's looking for, our best offering. For not my name will be great among the nations. The, the way that we give honors God. And when we give him our worst or whatever we have less, it dishonors him. He says, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Look at verse uh, 14, chapter 1. Cursed be the cheat. Wow. Well, God, why don't you be more clear about what you actually mean, right? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Listen, it's attached to honor, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. The way that you're giving is, is, is not honoring me, it's dishonoring me, and among the nations it's saying that I am not your greatest. Are you getting the, the point on why I'm like, man, I have to talk on this, right? Like four years, almost five years of not talking on this, I'm publicly repenting of that nonsense, all right? So, uh, so if we don't talk about finance, we're, we're robbing you a blessing. We're robbing uh, God of honor. Um, and so I, I, I want to emphasize a, a few things. You know, I, I told you already 40, 42% of the parables are on possessions. They're financial in nature. They're on our resources. Um, two, over 2,000 verses on the same. And so the question hit me, why such an emphasis on these? And here's the thing. Let me, let me get to right where I'm going this morning. Then I'm going to break it down for you. Uh, but uh, if you're writing anything down, here's what you want to write. Uh, I think this is going to be good for us. That here's why there's such an emphasis. There's multiple reasons, but here's, here's a massive reason for us today. Is that money literally wants to be your God. Money literally, literally wants to be your God. And so as money creeps in... Uh, and money says, hey, I'm a pretty great treasure. As money creeps in, says, you know what, I'm a pretty great strength. In fact, you feel better when, uh, depending on your bank account. And so let's, let's, do, let's do this. You can still worship God, but why don't you get your, your strength from me, your happiness from me, your joy from me, your confidence from me, your trust in me, and then you can go to prov. So <laughs> money tries to speak a better word than God. Money tries to be a better trust than God. Money tries to be a better resource than God. Money tries to triumph in your life as a greater treasure because what we're gonna get to soon is that Jesus clearly says, you have to pick if you're gonna serve God or money, but you can't waffle between those two opinions. It's one or the other. Um, I, I am, uh, I don't know if you can notice this. I know I keep putting you on the spot every day, but I'm, I'm just trying to be my, my biggest cheerleader. I'm losing weight, all right? And uh, yeah, you see that? All right. Should I remove my garments? Anybody, should I? No? Okay. Um, the, uh, I, I've, I've lost, <laughs> sorry. I, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, did someone, someone amen that? Don't tempt me, I'm on the edge. Uh, but uh, the, uh, I've lost 23 pounds in, uh, in, in, in four weeks. And as I'm, as I'm losing weight, basically what I'm saying is um, that when, when Stromboli comes promising me happiness, <laughs> I'm saying I, th this is not my season for that Stromboli. I will consume you later, all right? 
not now. This is not my season for you. But I found that as I've been losing pounds, I'm discovering how I've used food for momentary joy and comfort. Anybody? All right, yeah. And so really what God is, I think that God loved me just as much when I was 23 pounds heavier, right? He doesn't really care about, about this, but he's called me to this. And so I'm walking into a season that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I got there. And God's working in the process. And God's showing me that, that when I would have a bad day, I would, I would swing home with, with uh, you know, hey, I got pizza for the kids. No, it's not for the kids it's to make you feel better. Right? Uh, hey, hon, I got you some ice cream. Here's your coconut flavor, nasty stuff. And I happen to get my, myself, you know, uh, what I, I can't even think that way. It's, 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 uh, it's sinful for me right now. All right? <laughs> but do you see that there's so many things in our, li- in our lives that want to be our gods? And God doesn't just want to save you, He wants to be your Father. You see this? He wants you to run to him on a bad day, on your worst day. He wants to be everything for you, and other lovers are just not welcome in this relationship. Okay? In a similar way, money wants to come and speak protection over you. Money wants to come and speak peace over you. The problem is, is money's too late, and God has already done that if you trust him. Money's, this is, this is, we've heard this before, and the money will say, you're fine, I am here. And God would say, come into my presence, I want to take care of you. So 1 Timothy, if you have your finger there, we're going to leave Malachi. That, guy's, that guy talks with his hands too much. And uh, we are going to uh, go to, to 1 Timothy. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, and, and listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 says this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Uh, yeah, because what money does is it crops up in your life and it, its whole goal is to get you to wander out of a relationship with the Father and into its protection. And that is not a good idea. So I, I want to pull out. I want to pull out a few things out of out of these two verses here, real quick. But and here's the first one: that that money itself. You've got to see this: that money itself is not evil. Money is not evil in and of itself, right? And do you see this in this passage? Do you see this? It says, "Here's what is evil: it's the love of money is evil." You see that? This is one of the most highly misquoted passages. Money is not a root of all kinds of evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the treasuring of it. Okay? That's why this says, uh, those who desire to be rich, that's the evil part. It's the des- where, you, where your, your number one desire is not 27.4, I just want to be in your courts. It's not, it's not Psalm 84, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Suddenly, the desire of our heart is riches. That is, that is what this is talking about. You see that? The love of money, the desire to be rich. Look at this last verse. It is through this craving. It is through this craving that some have even wandered away from Jesus, from the faith, and pierced themselves with many pangs. And these are the same people that will say, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's just like, I didn't want to do this to you. You followed a secondary lover. 
You decide to come under the banner and the, and the lordship and the protection of your finances. And that craving led you to this place. Stop blaming me when I've just wanted to bless you. So money itself is not evil. It's the, it's the love of it. it the, the love of it is the root. The love of it is the source. The desire for it is so strong that that it could even cause some of us to wander away from Jesus. And this is why I'm saying that money wants to be your God. Money wants to be your treasure. The, uh, the purpose of money, if you, could, if you look at, uh, let's look at verses 17, uh, 17 through 19 here. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Hello, amen. This is the heart of the Father. He gives you, when you don't treasure money, when you treasure the Father, you can, in a healthy way, enjoy it as a gift from God. They are to, look at verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation. The, our, our money today are as seeds for tomorrow. Our physical money today, what we do with it is storing up harvest in, a heaven, in heavenly proportions. Do you see this? Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may be able to take hold of that which is truly life. And I tell you what, money will say, I'm the end of it all. I am truly life. But we know that Jesus is truly life. Money is to be enjoyed, but is not to be our hope. Do you see this? Uh, we have one hope his name's Jesus. It's not money. Money is to be enjoyed. It's to, it's, it's to be seeded for good works. It's to be used with generosity. It's to be shared. It's, it's, to be, it's used to store up heavenly treasure. And so God wants to pour it out on people who understand this. Amen. I, just, I thought I'd just amen myself there because I like that. Ouch. Nathan, you preach. All right. Wow. Go. Ow. Okay, now, now let's flip to Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Look at this. Is this too much Bible for you guys? Do you guys? I see, I see good flipping right there. I see Clash of the Clans right there. I see, uh, you know, Facebook there. That's fine. Just uh, open up your, your hearts. Uh, the, but look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. And here's Jesus speaking. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, ne never once is Jesus saying, don't have worldly wealth. Never once say, says that. He says, when you do have it, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where neither thie or thieves do not break and steal. In other words, you, your, your money that tries to be God over you and tries to speak protection over you and provision over you, it is, it is uh, uncertain at best. It is not to be hoped in. It can be here today, gone tomorrow. But then the verse 21 sets the record straight. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now here's what it does not say. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be. What it, what it does say is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the principle, is that your heart follows what you treasure. This is, this is actually biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity starts with the heart and moves to the head. 
You can know all kinds of things about Jesus and treasure something else. But your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. Christianity is, a, the, the Bible says, I'm going to give you a new heart, not a new brain. <laughs> I'm going to give you a new heart. And what will be symbolic of this heart is what you treasure with it. This is what life is all about. This is what the kingdom is all about. Where your treasure is, there your heart be, will be also. The pr Passion Translation uh, translates this pretty beautifully. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So you want to know, like, why, why am I running down every little dumb road and being disappointed? Why is my life going awry? Well, you have to ask your heart that. You have, to, you have to come to grips with what is the pursuit of my heart? What does my heart want most? What does my heart treasure most? That's why we talk about Jesus being our treasure. In fact, I'd, I'd say this, Jesus is our treasure, meaning he's our everything. I, one, one pastor that, that I really respect says this, uh, Jesus is everything or he's nothing. And that's the kind of, pers that's the kind of man I want to be. It's not, a, it's not perfection, it's, it's heart affections. So, so like, oh man, we beat ourselves up for what we did wrong instead of looking deep into what does my heart feel for the most. And there has to be a new revival of affections on Jesus again in the church that, that we feel for him like we should. And if our heart feels nothing for him, we have to pursue our hearts and find out what we're actually treasuring because he, he's not pleased with heartless obedience. He's not pleased with just sacrifice. Sometimes our sacrifices are blind and lame. He cares about him being best to us. Matthew it goes on to say, if we just continue on in G, with Jesus' little sermon here, he goes on to say in, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Yeah, is, there, is there enough wiggle room there for you? Huh? You can't get out of this alive. You have to die to one and be alive to the other, or vice versa. The affections, the affections of your heart have to be turned on to the one and turned off to the other. And he goes on to say, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Now, let's dig for a second. That word money, some of your Bibles may translate that mammon. Okay? John Wycliffe, anybody know him? 1300s. He translated the first English Bible into the world. This guy is a pioneer of the highest order. Fantastic. As he, was, as he was translating the first English Bible, he comes across the word mammon and he translates it riches. And riches are, are what stuck with us. And that's a good, that's a, that's a real decent rendering of that. It's a commonly, mammon's a, a commonly used term for wealth, for finances, for riches. But I did some digging this week. You like that? I, I dug, felt like a man. Digging into the scriptures. And specifically, here's what mammon is. Mammon is riches that, that rob our hearts of God's lordship. 
mammon is, is riches that become more valuable to us than God. And here's why they do. Because mammon, listen to this. this you're going to love this. Mammon is actually not just riches. Mammon is actually a Syrian idol demon. Named, mammon is the name of an idol, a demonic idol named mammon. And Jesus happens to know this somehow. That's why he uses the word mammon, not money. And mammon is actually the name of a demon. And, and, and Jesus' time, that was called mammon. It was, it was an idol that was worshipped as the god of wealth, worshipped as the god of riches. So when Jesus is saying, you have to serve, you know, you have to pick who you're serving here. You either serve me or you serve money. He's not saying just money. He's saying the fruit of this demonic activity, the, the lie that this demon promises. That is the fruit of it. But the actual name that Jesus is using is he's calling a demon by name mammon. And so when, we, when Jesus then beautifully launches into verse 25 and continues, he's talking about worry. And here's why he's talking about worry. Because what worry is to, man, worry is to mammon, what worship is to Jesus. So when we're worrying about our finances or, or our provision... And when mammon is calling to us and say, how much do you have in the bank? How much do you have in your stocks? Oh, man, it's getting tight. It's getting tight. I need to, and we're worrying about this. What we're doing is we're worshiping at the altar of a demon. This, this I dug and I found. And this is, this is so listen, when we, when we feel like we're, we're being shot under the teaching and the preaching of money, what that is, is it's chains around this area's neck when it comes to money. And this is one pastor that is tired of standing for that. I so want to fight for you. I so, uh, Jesus, Jesus says, you can't serve a demon in me. And th this morning, I, I want to ask you, who are you actually serving who do you want to serve? This is bigger than just your pocketbooks. This is spiritual at a deep, deep, deep demonic level. An obsession with wealth. I can't feel like I'm happy unless I have it. It's no mistake that Jesus talks about worry. Specifically worrying about provision. Do you see this is what Jesus is talking about? I don't have time to get into there. But he, he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you put on. Life is much more than that, but this is what mammon tells us life is about. Ouch, Nathan. So let's continue on in this passage to verse 31, Matthew chapter 6. And this is actually where it gets really good. It says, therefore, do not be anxious. What shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? Look at verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Gentiles just meaning people that don't know the Father yet. People that don't know the goodness of God yet. People that are trapped in a worldly system where the highest God is sex and money. That's all the world knows. That's it. But Jesus is saying this is not even what life is about. The, the Gentiles don't get this. I'm, I, I'm concerned that you don't get this. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. But, but, but your, <laughs> this is what the Gentiles do. The people that don't know Jesus, they go after money. And they bow 
at the feet of mammon as they worry about their finances. But your, do you see this? Your, your sons and daughters, this is your inheritance. This is what is offered to you, your heavenly father. Now stop there, because father terminology is brand new. Here Jesus is calling God, the father, not by his title, but by father. Jesus saying, no, this is how you're, he just, he just taught on this in the Lord's prayer. When you pray, say, our father in heaven, what? We've always called him Yahweh. We've always, we have tons of holy names for him. In fact, when we, when we write them, we, we clean our pens and put fresh stuff in there just to write the name. Well, that's good. But you are dealing with a dad, sons and daughters. And your dad, listen, knows that you need them all. Your dad knows that you need them all. What physical father in here wouldn't give his life to provide for his own family? What, what, what dad, even the worst of dads, would step in front of whatever they need to for the most part to give their lives to provide for their families without thought? Here's the father knows that you need them all. So if you want a practical thing to do with money, here's what you do. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then trust not the wealth that you're seeking, but the father that you're seeking, and all these things will be added to you. This is a promise to stand on, friends. This is the kind of life that God has called us to live. I, I think it's, 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 so, it's so significant that so many of us, when we're talking about this, you know, two weeks ago I spoke on, on uh, you know, sowing and reaping, and then last week uh, Marcel preached the most gorgeous, beautiful message on tithing I have ever heard. Um, and it rocked people, and I loved it. But I think out as we've been speaking on this the last few weeks, I think what's interesting is a lot of people are coming and emailing and texting and scheduling appointments and saying, Nathan, like I just have a problem with, with what you guys are saying, that it's like I have a problem of giving to get. I have a problem with that. I don't want to do that. Well, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Our theology isn't big enough, uh, you know, obviously, to understand that we do stuff out of love for God and God still rewards us anyway. It's how big his heart is. What, if I was a farmer and the way that I provided for my family was planting seeds and then harvesting them, I would not be planting seeds first and foremost for the harvest. I'd be planting for, uh, seeds first and foremost out of love for my family. I, the, I, I, I'm hauling. I'm killing myself. I'm plowing with my oxen and my dead cow. I, I'm, I'm doing everything I have in my power to do to get seeds in the ground, expecting harvest. I'm doing this to get out of love, out of love. The love of Christ for the believer compels us. 
And just and the, the blessing of God's kingdom system is that you get reward. Let's keep reading. That's when you give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you as the, hypocr- uh, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. These are people that are operating a, a, from a different system, a different spirit. And their reward is others' praise. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They got it. People are like, oh, yeah, that was it. Oh, yeah, so good. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Aha! And listen to this, friends. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I would say if you're coming to me and saying, like, I just don't like this whole giving to get thing, you don't know the Father well yet. You need to know how he operates. You need to know that there's... that. Being impoverished financially doesn't make you more spiritual or more close to his heart or more lovable. And neither does being a bajillionaire. It's just like that, that's not what matters. What matters is what does your heart love? And so many people are staying in poverty because they actually think that God doesn't want them to excel. And they are trusting, <laughs> they're trusting the false righteousness of their situation instead of the imputed righteousness of their Savior, Jesus, and their life. When Adrian and I first got married, um, I was a, a youth pastor and worship leader, and they were paying for my schooling at the Moody Bible Institute. And then I had a job at the Moody Cassette Ministry making the big bucks, all right? <laughs> the Moody Cassette Ministry. So you can, you can imagine how fun that was. And you can see kind of how behind Moody was. Uh, but... Uh, it's okay. I talked to lots of great people on the phone. And I made a whopping $400 a month, $100 a week. And Adrian and I lived in downtown Chicago uh, on that $400 a week. And we purposed at year one of our marriage that $40, that's the 10th, that's the tithe, coming out of the 400 And then we had an offering of $4 that went to the youth ministry. And the youth min- that was the youth ministry budget at the church I was pastoring. $4 a month, you know, $40 and it's not the size of our tithe, it, it's, the, it's the significance that even though we are certifiably poor, we're giving. And that's what Asia and I decided to do, and, and we saw miracles. We saw miracles. Maybe we're not seeing financial miracles because you can't get off your knees at, at Mammon's altar. And, and when, you, when, you, when you stand up from that and say, ugh, and you come over and say, hey, God, we're going to begin to trust you with the tenth. God, we're going, to be, we're going to give above that. Our heart is for you. Whatever you call us to do, obedience to you, number one. And when we began to do that, we saw miracles. One time, we were, we were praying and we're crying, and we're like, we don't have money to go buy groceries. We had no groceries in the house. We hear a knock at our door. Some of our best friends in the world, Steph and Andrew Gray, they're at the door with bags of groceries. They're like, God sent us over here to fill your fridge. We didn't even know how to receive at that time. We're like blown away. And I was taking bags and I was stocking. I was like organizing. I was getting organizational. So excited. Adrian's like, wow, like, man, is this right? And you go through all kinds of things even when God's providing. 
to, to kind of break things down. Um, I remember one time, Adrian and I were literally in tears, crying together over our finances. God, we've given to you. We don't have a dime to rub together. And then and we're, we're, we're talking, we're crying, we're kind of arguing. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jesus forgave us. Uh, but, uh, and and I, I just kind of had to leave that moment. And I hear another couple arguing on the street. We lived in a high-rise. Kind of, if you've ever been there, uh, high-rise, like sound travels up. If someone's talking at their car, you can hear them. And they're arguing, and so I kind of opened this window that kind of is like one of those tilt-in windows. I opened this window, and it knocked over our CD tower. And so there's, I was just arguing with my wife in that room, and now I'm listening to other people argue outside my window, and now I just made a mess in the CD tower. I'm like, oh, God, like, please help us. One CD caught my attention. It was Passion Better's One Day album. Mm-hmm. Walked on over, Don't, I, no clue why. Picked it up opened it up, there's two 20s in it. Is this a magic trick? <laughs> Can I do it again? Double it? Triple it? Like, this is not a magic trick. This is life with a good dad. Yeah? Like, I'm leading you even through the hard times into a place where you'll make a mess so I can show you my provision. And this is just being a good dad. The stories are endless, friends. And if we opened up a mic, we could, we could tell how God has provided for us. I just want to be the kind of man and the kind of father and the kind of husband, the kind of pastor that treasures and prizes Jesus as my everything, as my treasure. I want to guard my heart from bowing at any other altar. I think it's interesting, like, I, 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 I'm not a history buff, but I really enjoy history. I, I really like medieval history, actually. And uh, the, the Knights Templar, the Templar Knights, you ever heard of them? Uh, supposedly they were, uh, they were an order in the Catholic Church, and they were supposed to bring uh, God's swift justice to the world. All right. Uh, I, I'm not arguing if that's biblical or not, but I'm just saying that when they were baptized into their, into their order, they were baptized with their sword out of the water. Okay? So they're being baptized, but they're holding their sword. And, and in other words, God, you can have all of me, but not my sword. Yeah, yeah, take all of me. Take all of me. Take all of me. Yeah, take that. Take my arms. Take my toes. Take my neck. Take it all. Take my hair. And you kind of already are, so just take it all. Take whatever you want. Take my fat, please. You can't have my sword, though. I think that when it comes to money, we say, God, I'm dedicating my life to you, except for my cash. I think that so many of this, God, God slammed me with this this morning, that, that, that God wants me <laughs> to encourage us with the question, how many of our wallets are out of the water? When we, when we said, God, you can have everything, we were literally operating in a weird order except for this. And so this morning for you, what you're supposed to do is very simple, and that's baptize your wallet fast. Just surrender very fast, whatever that looks like for you. And say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not choosing between you and mammon. I don't even know who mammon stinking is. It's like you are the one love in my life. Whatever you say to do with your money. Do you know that the tithe is in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, or chapter 3, both places? 
Do you know that when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, you are to steward and rule and reign over all of this except that tree. That tree is the tithe. That one's mine. It's not yours. You don't get to, to decide what you do with that. That is mine. And actually what brings the whole world down is robbing the tithe from God. Should I drop the mic? Let's walk off. Yeah. So let's stand to our feet. So, Heavenly Father, come on, guys. Like, I'm going to pray over you, but you do business with God right now. Right now. If it's crying or confessing or laying or running to the front or finding a friend to pray with, if it's repenting, do it with all you've got. Our hearts, God. We want to hold nothing back. We want Jesus to be everything in this church. We don't want to pressure people to give so we can build stuff. God, we want you to be the treasure of our lives and of our church and of this region. And God, if there's any place in our heart that is holding your hand back, because it's unbaptized, it's unsurrendered, God, that when we gave our lives to you, we didn't mean that. God, we're sorry. Take us one billion percent and do what you will do with us. I pray, God. And I just pray, God, that we will be a church that gladly, hilariously, just seemingly to the world, waste our lives on you. Oh, God, that you would be our one desire. Psalm 27, one desire. You'll be our one thing. This is all we want. Psalm 73, that, oh, just, just take the world. Just take the world. Just take the world. My treasure is not found there. Earth has nothing I desire but you. And I pray that that would be the war cry of our souls in these days. We bless you. God, be the champion of our souls. We know you want to be. You've been trying to get our attention for so long. And so now, God, we, we just say, just have it all. Have it all. I feel very strongly that if some of you, uh, some of you that actually literally have spiritual chains on your life to mammon, uh, if, if you, would, you would break them by just coming down front and letting anybody pray for you, grab a child, I don't care, but just step out of that place that you're in and go after God in that way. So I'll leave you with that, guys. Just be blessed as you go. Let God woo and win your heart this week. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hearty round of applause. Come on. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.